Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guests. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Look at the crew that's already on board waiting for the program to begin. And they're talking about beers already. We're not going to be drinking beers in the morning as we broadcast live at 10 a.m. But good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're watching, we appreciate the fact that you're part of the program. Hit like and subscribe because we're practically in the football season. This is week zero and you need to be a part of it. So have your notifications set on, and we will be joined by Jacob Horn, and hopefully, fingers crossed, Cooper Cooper Mays later on the YouTube channel today. So a lot going on. As over the weekend, we had even more chance to write about the Vols on offthehooksports.com, so certainly check that out. The content just keeps flowing and we love that. Also excited to announce that Jimmy Himes, who is our Wednesday guest, will be a regular contributor in the written form to the program. Just got confirmation literally 30 seconds ago. So that's huge. So find a bigger, better website and I'll give you a hooker shirt. How about that? But that's not saying a lot because I still have plenty. Caleb, how are you, sir? No more weekends without football till February, guys. Let's celebrate. Yeah, and for the uh, for the record, since you've gotten to know me and Caleb a little bit, Caleb had a big family weekend, which is always interesting when you have family in town. 
I got a dog in replacement of uh, poor Thaddeus who passed away. Right now, this has been the summer of the Foo Fighters. My family and I really bonded around that concert. So it's a girl. It looks like a Doberman Pinscher. It's it's a mutt. And we've called it Foo. Foo, I think, is a cool name. What do you think, Caleb? I think that's pretty cool. I, I can't is, wait till he gets into a fight with another dog. The Foo it's, it, fight. Yeah, it's, it's a girl, and she's a, extremely sweet. Um, but I tell you what I want to do. So good morning, Travis. I, I will take throughout the day if you've got like a cool Tennessee football-related nickname. So I always want to call a dog Neelan, but she doesn't seem like a Neelan at all. She's not stately or anything like that. So throughout the program, if you want to give me suggestions as what to name my dog, Foo is only about 18 hours old. Not even that. Um, so we, we've got uh, we've got a little bit of flexibility here. How long can you wait to officially name a dog, Caleb? Well, I, I had a couple dogs growing up. Uh, one named Ginger. We I named her like a week after we had her, and then the other one, her name was Shadow. And we named her when we didn't name her when we got her home, but we named her later that night. Um, so you know, it it, it kind of depends. Uh, the dog we have now, we named him Sirius, and. That was we had that name ready to go when we picked him up. So was that after the radio network? No, it was after Sirius Black from Harry Potter. But we pretend we're cultured and we tell everybody he's named after the constellation star in Greek uh, classics. Okay, excuse me, I've got something in my throat. Nerd alert! <laughs> Speaking okay. of nerd alert, guys, Dave's really excited about Week Zero. Because the only SEC team playing is Vanderbilt, and we know Dave hates the SEC and he hates Southern Power Five football, so he's so excited that the only teams that matter are play- that are playing this weekend are, f- are from the North and the West. Yes, I, I I will tell you this. I will go ahead and say this to Danny White and any other athletic directors that is watching. And I think last I checked, all twelve tune in, or twelve out of fourteen tune in, and. You should restart the kickoff classics. Do you remember those that Tennessee played Colorado? Was it in Jersey, I believe? And yes. No, that, were, one, that one was in Anaheim. Okay, that was in Anaheim. And there was another kickoff classic. You should restart that. Why? Because you're going to play, on average, a lesser opponent than you would play in the SEC. Make sure you've got somebody that is of the ilk of Missouri or lower. And go get your win and get an extra bye week. Because I was going over the schedule this weekend. And, Caleb, it's it's brutal, even with the fact that the opponents aren't that great. Just the fact that you have one bye week. I, I, I would try to schedule a one of those kickoff classic games, get a week early of practice, be a part of the national media when they don't have a lot of other things to talk about, and play a Rutgers or play a – it doesn't have to be a beautiful, awesome matchup like Tennessee has had in the past with the Notre Dames of the world, the Miamis of the world. Don't don't make it like that. Don't make it a very losable game. Make it a game in which you're in a recruiting territory and you play a pretty good team. Like here's a for instance. Like If we're sitting here and Tennessee's playing North Carolina in Charlotte, a recruiting territory, how much bigger is that than Virginia in week one, where there's going to be a lot of coverage of other other games, 
in Nashville. So just imagine if they're playing North Carolina in Charlotte, a team they should beat with some star power, Drake May, a stable program, and you get the recruiting exposure in the Carolinas. I just hit me this morning. Is that a good idea, a stupid idea? But you get an extra bye week too. No, I think it's a very smart idea. And you're right. The extra bye week is a huge deal and very helpful. I, I, I distinctly remember Florida back in the day. I don't know why they don't do this now, but I believe would go ahead and they would they would have one less bye during the season. So they would play Florida State the week before Thanksgiving. So that way they get a week off before the SEC title game. So they wouldn't have to go Florida State and then the SEC title game back to back. Oh, I didn't remember that. But yeah, so yes. if you if you have like two premier games, let's say you had one premier game that kicked off at noon. What do we have this week? Can you pull up the schedule? I'm going to go off topic a little bit if you don't care, Caleb. Oh, yeah, no, that's fine. We got a uh, Navy-Notre Dame at 2.30 is the first game of the year, the very first college football game of the year, and that is in Dublin. In Dublin, which is super cool. I'm very jealous of the Dan Patrick show because they're broadcasting all live from uh, live all this week from Dublin. Then you got UTEP and Jacksonville State. I believe this is Jacksonville State's first game as a as an FBS program. You've got UMass, and that's at five thirty. At seven, you got UMass and New Mexico State, Ohio and San Diego State, and then at seven thirty, you got Hawaii traveling to Vanderbilt. And then at 8 o'clock, San Jose State at USC. And at 9 o'clock, Florida International and Louisiana Tech. So what if you did – I kind of made fun of NC State last week. But what if you did Tennessee-NC State? Because you could get NC State to do it. North Carolina might not might not want to do it. They've got a little bit more leverage. What if you did um, – what if the UTSA game was in Dallas? A Jerry World, and you get recruiting exposure there, and that I'm would just, be great because UTSA is like the favorite to be to be the Group of Five team in the New Year Six this year. So they're the their last year's Tulane. So that would be an, actually a pretty good matchup. Caleb and are, are, are on to something, and there might just be a column about Week Zero on Off the Hook Sports later today. But we've got a lot to get to, including the top. Five red shirt freshmen. Goodness gracious, I can't wait for COVID to be completely in the rear view where we don't have super seniors and all this. Red shirt freshman is about all I can take, uh, and I'm all for that. So a red shirt freshman, just to give you a little background, and I'm sure that most of you know this, but a red shirt freshman is a guy that um that either wasn't ready to play or got hurt by the old rules. And that was when you would give them a medical red shirt, which is essentially that you're saying that this player is good enough to play, but we're going to make up a pulled hammy in a lot of cases so that he's already played his four games, but he can have a medical red shirt. Well, nowadays you can play, correct me if I'm wrong, Caleb, you can play the last four games of the season instead of the first four out of five, which I believe was the rule and you can still get a red shirt. So red shirt freshmen aren't just near, aren't just necessarily off the maybe can't play, maybe banged up pile. They can be real-time contributors. We don't know as much about them, so we don't talk as, as much about them. But, uh, Caleb, red shirt freshmen, they ain't transfers, but they ain't true freshmen walking off the streets either. Yeah, and many of them, it's it's basically any four games you play, as long as you don't play more than four games, you can take a red shirt. 
And that just for context, he'd have gone to the NFL anyway. Jamal Lewis could have taken a red shirt in 1998 <laughs> with this rule. And he oh, was true. a huge role. And Tennessee doesn't win their first two games without Jamal Lewis. That's what's so funny about that. Um, yeah, but you know Jamal's gone after three years. Of he's gone after 99 anyway. There's no way Jamal is staying yeah. after 99. Like, Especially with I, the injury issues. Right, exactly. I would tell him to go pro after if I were his if I were his advisor after 99 when you knew he, when he was going to be drafted. Well, but yeah, you I, get, and you and I both like Jamal, and he's going to be on the Celebrate 98 series. But let's face it, he kind of shut it down in the 99 year, right? I mean, he wasn't ready to go against Kentucky when Travis Henry got hurt. And he knew he was off to the NFL. I mean, he 99 was not his – I mean, he played well, but once he got a little banged up, uh, if you remember the Kentucky game, Travis Henry had to come in at the end of the year. It just – And that I was when I – Travis Henry Travis went balled out. out against Kentucky. So Yeah, so Jamal Lewis at one point had to come in for part of that game, or am I thinking Vanderbilt? Help me a little bit. You're thinking Vanderbilt because Travis Henry got hurt against Vanderbilt in one of the scariest dies for a touchdown I think I've ever seen. Oh, and he landed on his head, and his mom ran out on the field. Yeah, totally remember that. And um, Jamal was not ready to play. He wasn't expecting to play, and he was expecting to be in the NFL draft, and that was going to be his next. Next action, which was pro day, which we ran, he ran a four three four at two hundred and thirty five pounds, which was still the only forty yard dash that I've seen where I go, holy cow, that guy's fast. Because you can't tell the human eye can't tell tenths of seconds in difference. But uh, yeah, I'm I would the, the red shirt rules often been silly. I would just say you've got five to play five instead of five to play four. Period. End of discussion. You've got five years. What's wrong with that? What if Trey Flowers could come back for another year? He did play five technically because of COVID. But I get what you're saying, yes. Oh, I'm sorry, take out COVID. But, I mean, what yeah. if there's so many well, players? I still, I still, I still kind of like the idea of redshirting, though, because, like, it, it, you know, you get two great players from one class. Maybe one's a little bit better, but the other one deserves a chance to play at some point, so they redshirt, and then they get a chance to themselves. Look at Travis Stevens. I mean, he gets that year to himself in 2001 because he took the redshirt in 99. And, I mean, I, you know – I guess you could theoretically say Travis Henry would have left in 2000 if he had another year of eligibility or not, but I don't know. I, I, I like it where you can, I still like the redshirt rule where you can redshirt redshirt to get an extra year of eligibility, no matter how many years of eligibility you're given four or five or whatever. Fair. Let's go to four downs. Cooper Mays will get us through this. We hope to have Cooper at the end of the day. I haven't shot that text yet, but hopefully he's feeling well enough to do so. Uh, Jacob Warren times two is on the YouTube channel. And Jacob Warren uh, was nice enough to fill in for Coop in the Bassey uh, in the Ball Report brought to you by City Heating and Air Conditioning. He was also in the Ball Report brought to you by Bassey Lawn and Garden. That's the great thing about Jacob is... We literally could just jam, jazz, whatever you want to call it, for like three hours. And I think it would be pretty entertaining. The top five red shirt freshmen on four downs. No, the numbers don't fit exactly, but they're pretty close. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Philip Fulmer used to always say when it came to being on the roster, 
he would say um, the this is the last stop for the bus stop. And what he was referring to is he would take defensive linemen and players and move them to the offensive line. And basically, if you couldn't hang on on the offensive line, you were headed to the bus, bus stop and you were headed home. Okay? So nowadays, with the transfer portal, Caleb, would you agree that the last stop before the bus stop is the red shirt? If you red shirt and you don't come in and you don't have an impact, other you know issues with standing – if you don't contribute by your redshirt freshman year, you are not going to be around much longer with the transfer portal. They'll trade up in a heartbeat. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they usually expect you to – I mean, if you haven't made an impact by your redshirt freshman year, you're probably hitting the portal at the end of the year. That's that's where I would look at it. Yep. Uh, there we go. Uh, and, Coop, what should people do if they want to be a part of the program? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Coop, we appreciate that. Four Downs is brought to you by Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn Spets betting rewards. Easy for me to say is, I guess I was thinking about boarding my dog already during the streak. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares. On Zen Sports, what you see is what you get. And with their cash rewards program, you get a lot of cash. For a welcome bonus, earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you... Sign up with the promo code HOOKED. HOOKED. That's right. Unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting. Keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume. Every month after that, refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen Sports is bringing the cash back to Knoxville. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better, and it did. I was playing around with their app this weekend, and it was super fun. So before we get to four downs, and Coop will call the uh, down and distance, or at least the down, let's start with Brian Grant. Brian Grant is a guy that I don't know that we've said his name other than in recruiting. When have we said his name, and why is he significant? Why is this a big year for him? I'll answer it with a big O-L. Yes, Brian Grant is... There are four redshirt freshman offensive linemen. Two of them are on this list. Brian, the last spot for me came down to Messiah Redding, Mo Clipper Jr., and Brian Grant. Three linemen we have heard little about. Grant is so much bigger at 6'7", 329 pounds, and he plays more on the outside. And so with questions about Gerald Mitzi not really getting it at tackle, and John Campbell Jr. and Jeremiah Crawford, both the only guys that we really think Tennessee can trust right now at tackle – there's a bit of an opening there for someone to step up. And I think you could really see Brian Grant just with his size alone, maybe make a push. We don't know. This is all speculation. There's been nothing said about that in practice, but I'm basing it about what's being said about Mincy and where I know Brian Grant's going to line up. And there's just an opening for him at that point. Yeah. Good Lord. He's six, seven, 329 pounds. He's got to have something if he can move his feet. And I'll do a little bit more digging into that since you brought him up to see kind of where he stands but these are guys that man if you don't have if you don't contribute your January may be your time to look elsewhere so let's get to four downs so four downs Coop what down are we on Coop here first down thanks Chaz Nimrod like that was first down wasn't it that was first down Brian Grant wasn't it no because we got five players so we just talked about um (laughs) so we got a first down on this so we now have another set of downs oh 
Uh, yeah, we got what we did is we did a uh, we we did like a pre snap play on the sidelines. Um, so that's what that was. Chaz Nimrod. We decided last week that you would rather have the last name Hooker than Nimrod. Neither is great, but uh, Chaz Nimrod and Caleb Webb are a couple of guys that are probably going to be lost in the shuffle, right? In receiver this year because they've got four really good ones and they don't play a lot. But if if somebody goes down, isn't Nimrod the first guy who who likely comes off the bench? I would think so. He's absolutely the first guy. I think Caleb Webb was high, more highly rated in recruiting, but I think that was only based on their level of competition, competition since Nimrod came from Arkansas. But I think Nimrod is actually a better, at least physically in better condition right now. He, they're almost the same size, 163, 196, the other 63, 198. But Nimrod reportedly ran a sub 4540 before he got to campus. So the speed is much more in his favor than it is Caleb Webb's. And I think that's where you're going to see him. Get on the I just want to hear Bob Kessling say, and I've heard rumors that he might retire, and now I've heard rumors that, no, he wants to be a part of a couple of special seasons. So he does a fantastic job for Tennessee. But I just want to say, I want to hear Bob Kessling say one time, and touchdown pass from Milton to Nimrod. Wow, that guy can play. What an Nimrod. What down, Cooper? Cooper Mays here. Second down. Jason Jenkins. We haven't said that name in a while. Tennessee deep defensive tackle. But unlike wide receiver, Tennessee could rotate a lot of defensive linemen in. So Jason Jenkins, before we know it, could be a factor. I don't know, a huge factor. But I wouldn't be surprised to hear Jenkins' name called this year. Yeah, so in Tim Banks's four down line, four, three base defense. It's really a four, two, five. He still relies on edge. It's really, it's really almost a three, two, six. That that is, that is very true. I mean, and one of the things he likes to do when he goes to three down linemen is he likes Tennessee missed this last year. I don't know what you call it, but a hybrid defensive lineman that can really line up on the end in a three, two or a, or at tackle in a four, three or four, two, if necessary, Caleb Tremblay did that. And Jaquane Blakely did that two years ago. I think they were hoping Dominic Bailey would be able to do that, but we really haven't seen much of Dominic Bailey so far. Even if we do see some of Dominic Bailey, Jason Jenkins is the only other player on the team that fits that profile. And you would think he would like two of those guys that could do it. So I say, watch out with Jenkins and Bailey could both, get in the rotation doing that amen brother second down i would have had this guy number one and it wouldn't have been no it's third down now now you are cheating it's third down third down number two (laughs) third down this guy and it's on off the hooksports.com if you want to follow along and i'm gonna massively disagree with you here this guy would be my number one with a bullet wouldn't be close but uh, Caleb broke the column. So here we go. It is third down, number two on your list. Cooper Mays here. Second down. Oh. Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. Addison Nichols. Addison Nichols should be ready to be a starter at center the moment that Cooper Mays went down. Addison Nichols, including Andre Keurig, is the most physically able to get out and go right now and play in the SEC. Addison Nichols needs to get me. That's not me saying it, guys. 
That's people within the program. This would be my number one. And I understand the number one argument you have, and we'll get to that on fourth down. But Addison Nichols should have already been tabbed the starter at left guard. And he should be the guy that's sliding over instead of Ollie Lane at center. He's more physically gifted. He should be ready. He is on the verge telling you with inside the program, he is on the verge of being a bust if he doesn't get his stuff together pretty soon. Addison Nichols, you have been challenged by Off the Hook Sports and you're number two on this list by Caleb Calhoun. It is time, young man. It is time, like today at practice, it is time to take that step. He would have been number one on my list. He's number two on yours. Look, I'm with you. Addison Nichols should be number one on this list. Gerald Mincy should be starting at left tackle or right tackle right now and be one of the top five players on the offense this year. But as far as what we've been learning, it hasn't fully happened yet. And they did move Ollie Lane over to center. And Andres Carrick seems like he is more likely to start at that left left guard spot over Nichols. So it seems like Nichols, I have him as the highest rated offensive or defensive player on here because of what he should be. But he hasn't broken through yet, Dave. So I can't, and he's not a projected starter if everybody's healthy. So I can't put him number one because of that. I mean, I don't blame you, but the guys that should and need to step up, I think you and I agree he would be number one. Yes, yes. He's the number one on who needs to step up. But look, he hasn't yet. You know, we need a patches of hula hand to get in there. You got to get mean. You got to get angry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if, if Andre Keurig and Ollie Lane are the starters at left guard and center, respectively, <coughs> then Addison Nichols should be pretty disappointed and in himself or something or his ability or I don't know what. But you got number one is all SEC center Cooper Mays here. Fourth down. Jackson Ross, Paxton Brooks is gone. Paxton Brooks was very good, especially at pinning players deep or pinning offenses deep. And Tennessee goes out, finds an Australian to uh, find a punter for no reason uh, or didn't do it for no reason. He's played Australian rules football. He should be tough. And I'm going to tell you something you don't know about Jackson Ross after you tell me how important he is, Caleb Calhoun. I think he's already the starter. I think Jackson Ross has already got that spot locked in. You don't go and add a guy like that without expecting to start him immediately. And I've screamed for years, and I mean for years, that I don't understand why coaches don't travel across the world when looking for kickers and punters and say, hey, you want a scholarship to go to an American college? Well, here's one. Why don't you come kick or punt for us? I I don't understand why coaches don't do that more. Tennessee did it, and I have a lot of faith in Jackson Ross. And, by the way, he's not – for those who don't know, Australian rules football, that's basically rugby. And you're, so you're usually tough, you're usually tougher than damn it when you come out of there. Exactly. And it's a lot tougher to pin kicks when you play Australian football rules than in regular American football. So this will be a lot easier for him than where he came from. Yep. Um okay, let me t- you let me tell you something about um Paxton. You don't I'm not, not Paxton. You may tell you something about Jackson you don't know? Sure. Okay, I'll give you three choices. Um, and you tell me which one's true. He can hold his breath for over three minutes. Okay. He was the leading scorer in his Australian rules league 
or he can kick with both feet. Which one? Number three, he can kick with both feet. Did you know that already? No, I did not. That's just my guess. He can punt with both feet. That's an advantage, isn't it? Depending on where the rush is coming from on a punt. <laughs> I thought about it when somebody told me last week. I don't know if it's an advantage or not. I don't know if you can get out of your step rhythm. I, I, it may be. I don't know if it is. Can you go? Because you go left. You would go right, left, punt with right. You couldn't go right, left. Oh, I got to punt with my left. Could you? I don't. I don't know. I mean, in basketball, it's like if a player can go right or left when driving to the basket, that is the biggest advantage you got in the sport. I mean, if you're driving and you can go right or left, it's your score every time you get into the lane, pretty much. I only agree. All right. How much more can the Vols rely on their running backs this year to take pressure off of Joe Milton? And I'll give you three options, a lot the same or less. And I wrote a column on this one off the hook sports It's brought to you by Andy Mason, Andy Mason, real So how much more will the Vols rely on their running backs this year to take pressure off Milton? A lot, the same, less. So I can't say a little more. I got to say a lot or the same. No, no, no. We're, 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 we're making it tough. We're, we're skip Bayless in you. I'm not skip balancing this. I'm sticking with the I'm sticking with a little more. Okay, you get a little more. I'm gonna say the same. I think this is still at the end of the day, Josh Heupel's offense, and he's gonna want to throw the ball around. Now, if you want to include Dylan Sampson flexed out and catching some passes and running some screens and maybe some end of rounds, then the yardage total at the end of the year might actually undermine my point but i think they're still going to run the football be honest this was a running football team last year caleb which people was, don't 40 times a game yeah which people don't realize so i'm not going to say any more or any less i think it's exactly down the middle and it's exactly the same you know you might have a point all right i'm I, i'm convinced i'm going to less and i'll tell you why i'm going to less less not, not just same but less Yes, because I didn't even think about the fact of Dylan Sampson out of the backfield on passing plays. And what I've thought about is Joe Milton's actually going to have few, I think he's going to have fewer yards than Hendon Hooker, but more pass attempts than Hendon Hooker. Because I think they're going to use the middle of the field and the flats a lot more than they did last year. So I think he's going to use the short yardage. I think Hypo's going to rely on more medium gains this year than he is on those you know, 80 yard touchdowns, which I mean, how, what there were what four against Alabama alone that went 50 yards or more. And I think you're, he's going to try to, I think he, you might only see one or two this year and you might see Milton work the clock and work, work the field a little bit more. Here's the other reason I'll say same or less Cody on the uh, video feed says the same. It all goes back to the O-line play. And I agree with that. Great point, Cody. If they're able to run the football, they're going to do that. Maybe they won't be as good at running the football. I think they will. I think I think where Tennessee fans should most be most scared on the offensive line is Darnell Wright. Do they have a guy one on one that can shut down a Will Anderson or one of the two kids that were at LSU that were very good pass rushers as well last year? Um, I, I, t- Tennessee has a great group of tailbacks. Remember this too. Not just arguing with everything you say this morning, uh, Caleb, but remember this too. 
What does Joe Milton do differently than Hendon Hooker and arguably better? Well, I think work the middle of the field a little bit better. Agreed. Those tend to be shorter passes. Sometimes if you're on third and medium, let's say third and three, which I would consider third and medium, you might run the ball previously, whereas you know a little uh, hook or a dig route to Jacob Warren will get you those three yards. So I could make an, an argument that Joe Milton is going to complete more of those short passes that will move the chains, whereas you would have leaned on the running game previously. So I actually think the running backs, you brought up the point, and um, I think the running backs are going to play a, a smaller part, not a significantly smaller part, but just maybe each, you know, five or 10% less than they did last year. You might get some, you might get them more involved in the passing game though. Although Jabari small was involved in the passing game last year. So we'll have to see how that goes. If Dylan Sampson picks up pass blocking, I mean, Dave, I'm still thinking along your lines. If he picks up pass blocking, I don't see how you don't keep him on the field as much as possible. But that's a big part of this. No, I think it's very good. And I, we listened to Josh Heupel over the weekend talk about Jalen Wright, who quietly was Tennessee's leading rusher last year. I bet if you would have asked average guy off the street, they would have said Jabari Small, right? I bet if you ask. Uh, average guy off the street who was the most exciting, they would have said Dylan Sampson last last year. But Jalen Wright just there, chugging along, supposed to be more mature, as you would expect. His body's better than it was last year. I've said it before. He is the best combination of having a little wiggle, speed, and power. He needs to run through more people to punish people so the entire running back crew can benefit from that in the fourth quarter when defenders are tired of getting hit. He's a guy that had the speed in high school that he could just bounce it outside, bounce it outside. The guy that I think of most often is uh, would have to be da, 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 Travis Stevens. Travis Stevens was a bounce it outside guy by nature, right, Caleb? But right. he did punish would-be tacklers enough to keep them honest. Jalen Wright needs to be the next Travis Stevens. If he can do that, if he can add a little bit of power, a little bit of physicalness to his game, he can be a really special back because then you bounce it out and you make some plays on the outside, some big-time plays. But first, you've got to establish that defender as being a little scared and not wanting physical contact and making that tackle. Yes, if Jalen Wright can embarrass Marquan Manuel and Gus Scott in the same game, the way Travis uh, Stevens did playing Florida in 2001, <laughs> where he ran over, I will never forget they had Marquan Manuel, who was Florida's starting safety, try to tackle Travis Stevens. He bowls him over and scores. Then they bring in Gus Scott in, and Travis Stevens breaks his tackle for a 68-yard run. And that's when Spurrier said in the – at the end of the game, I don't know what happened. It looked like Colorado running through Nebraska there. <laughs> and if Jalen Wright can do that, then we're talking a totally different game. I'm still not so sure. And this was actually an issue with Stevens too. So this could be an issue with Wright. You know, third and one, you line it up. You know they're running the ball. Can he get that first down? Jabari Small always could. He always got that first down last year. And it wasn't about always his power. It was about his vision and his understanding of where to go between the tackles. Does Jalen Wright have that? There you go. All right. So uh, I think we got a new uh, person on board and we appreciate that. So let's give a shout out to him. 
David Michael reminds me of, or I'm sorry, Samson. David Michael post Samson reminds me of Arian Foster. Reminds me a little bit more of, I would say, Alvin Kamara would be more the comparison that I would draw. But David, we appreciate you being a part of our channel and welcome. Travis says best three headed monster at running back. I'm assuming he means the SEC, but perhaps beyond that. Certainly, no, he didn't say best. Just we have a three headed beast. Oh, absolute three headed beast. Okay, so where does where do they rank among best in the SEC? Ooh, where do Vols running backs rank among best in the SEC? Um, As a group. So you have you have guys like, um, just to come up with some names off the top of my head, I mean, you got Quinchon Judkins at Ole Miss, who's probably the best tailback by far. Raheem Sanders at Arkansas, Montreal Johnson at Florida, um, Brian Battle at Auburn, um, Chase McLennan, uh, McClellan, excuse me, at Alabama. So you got some pretty good first backs but what sec team has a better group of backs yeah you're right tennessee i feel like goes deeper i want to say arkansas but uh, uh, we got no Felix is, jones there caleb no no that's true that's true this isn't no i don't know any team that's like 2004 and for context and history in 2004 tennessee had 2000 yard rushers and that wasn't even the best running back combo in the SEC because Auburn had Carno Williams and Ronnie Brown. <laughs> and so that was – I don't know if you'll ever have a year like that again in college football where running was so prominent. But – Well, and it's just not that way anymore. I mean, yeah, we went in – You know, you have to kind of do your research to find the best tailbacks in the SEC, right? I mean – Right. Other than the old Miss Cat, I mean, who else really, really, really stands out? And used to be you would go into a season and you'd say, uh, that guy has Trent Richardson, Alabama does. Uh, that Darren McFadden at Arkansas is really good. That's just not the way the running back position is anymore. And that's why they're changing even the pay scale in the NFL to try to find ways to get them more money because they get burnt out so quick. And Yeah, I think I will go with um... – it's it, so you do have Quishon Junkins still at Ole Miss. Is Zach Evans still at Ole Miss? Mm, it caught me off guard. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. I'm actually looking that up now if Zach Evans is still at Ole Miss because if he is, that's the best one two combo in the SEC. And I'm I, I should know if he's gone or not, but yeah, yeah, and, he's gone. And we haven't mentioned spring sensation Cam Selden, who you and I both think is probably a spring sensation, but if one of these guys go down. He has the physical ability, at the very least, to step in. Coming up, why Tennessee could have one of the best return games in the SEC. That would be pretty big. We'll talk to you in two minutes. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker off the Hook Sports. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. 
I'm Rick Terry. I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Welcome back. Here we go with Caleb Calhoun. I am Dave Hooker. This is Off Dog Sports. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. David says, love the show. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. Glad to hear some UT football information. You'll hear plenty of that. So thanks for joining, David. Be sure and hit the like and subscribe button and turn the notifications on. If you don't know and you're new, we have, I'll just go ahead and say it, the best damn lineup in, in all of broadcasting. Tomorrow, we'll have John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel. Wednesday, we'll have Jimmy Himes, formerly of the Sports Animal. Thursday, we'll have Josh Ward, and he will join us from the Sports Animal. Friday, we will have Fred White, whose analytics continue to say that we should just have Fred White on every day and chuck those other three hucksters. <laughs> Fred White goes it. No, we love those other three guys. Uh, the man of still saying he loves the show. I love you, Clark. I do. And uh, Clark Kent, did you get that reference? Man of Steel. Man of Steel is still one of the worst movies of the whole DC. Oh, I get no, but see, I go way back. I go to Superman one and two. Yes, those were good. Kneel before Zod. Still the best season. Like if I if I need a motivation to go work out, I'll find that scene on YouTube. Remember where Superman kneels and he hands him his hand to kneel before Zod. And Superman, because he's inside the thing, and he didn't get the raise, and he has his powers, and the other guys don't. He breaks his hand, and then he lifts him up. You remember that? And he goes, I haven't seen this movie in so long. I need to go. I'll send it to you. And the funny part is, Superman, when he lifts Zod, there's a mistake in the movie, has a sweat patch underneath his arm. Oh, my gosh. Well, another (laughs) mistake in the movie is, even with the assumption that men can fly, and this is on Big Bang Theory at one point, if Superman's made of steel, which he is, if he sticks his arms out to catch Lois Lane when she's falling from the Empire State Building or whatever building that was, she's going to slice in three spots. He's not going to catch her. She's going to like be soft and loving. What about in the bedroom? He's not pulling out the man of steel. 
It, uh, if she lands on his arm. Did you oh. hear what I just said there? He's not pulling out the little man of steel. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, he was uh, in very perverted ways uh, looking underneath her clothes. He lot. was. Yeah, he was. <laughs> you don't have breast cancer. Not yet, Lois. But you got a yeah. nice rack. Um, Except for all the radiation that's going to cause breast cancer in 20 years. because <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's looking through you with x-ray. Other than that, you're good. So Mike Eckler talked to the media last week and Eckler is he's the ecstatic coach and I'm not I'm not trying to underplay what he does for Tennessee's football team but he is the guy that jumps around he brings the juice but at the end of the day he's on he's in charge on defense of about two guys that are on the field right and it's not that difficult because you have a three-headed monster of Arian Carter Carter, Keenan Peely, and Arian Beasley. So it's not Aaron Beasley. It's not and Brian that Jean Mary does more of the work with them anyway. What's that? Brian Jean Mary does more of the work with them anyway than Mike Eckler. Exactly. So he's pretty much the special teams coach. So he, he coaches outside linebackers too. So those are the guys he works with. Technically, Tennessee, just FYI, talking to somebody in the program with the way they're linebackers are trained. They're basically all trained to play Mike. I mean, there really is not, and Caleb and I discussed this last, last week, there's not the strong side backer who lines up on the tight end, who has to be involved in coverage more often. There's not the weak side linebacker who is uh, ha has less responsibilities and just come up and go. Like when you think of the 98 team, Celebrate 98 series, by the way, we'll have Sean Ellis. I think we're going to have David Leverton too. So if you look at those groups, it was obvious. Al was the Mike. Uh, Eric Westmoreland was strong, so he could take on a tight end block and he could cover a tight end. And then Raynock Thompson was the fluid, fast, weak side linebacker, so you could send him on blitzes without a lot of blocking help. It's just not that simple anymore. They, well, it's actually more simple. They teach them all to play Mike essentially is what they do, which is middle linebacker. So Caleb, when Mike Exley, Eckler, when Mike Eckler steps to the podium, I think it's, I think we want to hear about special teams maybe as much as we want to hear about the linebacker position. And what did you glean from what he said about D. Williams when we went off the air last week? It actually wasn't so much what he said about D Williams because it was what he said about other people, because I know what I saw from D Williams last year, that dude can ball. And just for those who don't know, D Williams had a hamstring injury last year. He came off the hamstring injury. His first game was against LSU and he almost ran his very first punt return back. And he had 15 returns last year, averaged over 18 yards, a punt return and had a touchdown. And again, that was a year in which he had a hamstring injury. So he wasn't even fully healthy. Now, D. Williams is already an advantage. Eckler then started naming guys like Cam Selden, Dylan Sampson, and Squirrel White. And I think he was talking about more for the kick return game because Jimmy Holiday is now gone. Man, if Squirrel White, if they use him on kick returns along with as a receiver, while D. Williams is the punt returner, we're talking a deadly special teams game. I don't know if anybody's going to come close to Tennessee in the SEC in special teams at that point. 
We haven't said D. Williams' name a lot. Is he the one player on Tennessee's football team that might have, you mentioned the pulled hamstring, the most upside that we're not aware of? He's 100% healthy. You know, we've, we've been talking about Tennessee's looking for more options at defensive back, and if you go on offense and defense, I don't know if he's going to be able to step in and be an effective defensive back, but... Just physical athlete, not physical athlete, phys- not what he does on the stat sheet, not what he does on the field, but physical athlete. Is he perhaps the best athlete we don't know about yet? It's possible. It's possible. And, I mean, I had high expectations for him last year, funny enough, before he got hurt. And this is his first full off season, so he could be very dangerous. What if he is? Here's a comparison for you, Dave. What if he's like? Does he? Could he kind of be like Mark Jones was in 2003? Ooh, I think he's more athletic than Mark. Well, Mark was physical though, too. But yeah, I think he. I think Mark was more physical, and I think that D has a better top end. <laughs> Given the hamstring, does he have another gear? I think if the two lined up and raced, it wouldn't be that close. Not to knock Mark. Okay. Am I knocking Mark too much? No, no, I don't think you are. Mark, to me, it was a combination of speed and strength. I mean, I'll never forget that Brock Berlin interception when Chavis snuck Mark Jones in on defense and sent him on a blitz, and Mark Jones just whacked him. (laughs) And it was funny because Keller Winslow was wide open for a touchdown, and Brock Berlin was too too late and missed him. And so that was the Jabril Wilson interception against Miami. But, yeah – I think D. Williams is probably more of an athletic player. I, I you don't want to go to Leonard Scott because Leonard Scott was just a track star playing football. But yeah, he would have been incredible instead of a football if they used a javelin and it could just stick to him because he dropped <laughs> a lot of passes. But if they used a javelin and it just stuck to him, he would have like twelve hundred yards his senior year. Like that movie, The Replacements, where they put the stick on the guy's hands because he was a super speedy guy and like, but he couldn't catch anything. <laughs> Well, I, I don't remember that. Now, I I, um, I don't remember that at all in the replacements. I need to go back and watch that movie with whoa, Keanu's in it. Who played? You know who he played, right? Tony Robinson. Yes. Exactly. Except they had him be in a. Except they altered it. They said he was a Nebraska quarterback, not a uh, Tennessee quarterback. Yeah. And I've d- I, my celebrate '98 book. By the way, it's done. And it's going to be out there, so I'm excited. Caleb gets a, a free copy since he he helped me get through that bear. But Celebrate 98 is done. Um, you talk about great receivers that just that couldn't catch. There weren't a lot of them because Tennessee's had such, such depth at receiver, they put somebody else, else out there, and you lost your spot. Leonard Scott, they needed at the time, and they were so enamored with his speed. But I don't know. D. Williams is a name that it's kind of funny to me that we haven't mentioned – to this point of the preseason, and he could be absolutely fantastic. That wouldn't surprise me. And Tennessee could certainly use some – I mean, who couldn't? Uh, this is kind of stupid to say. But Tennessee could use some big plays on uh, on special teams, generate some points, make things easier on Joe Milton, take some pressure off. What is the new rule? I mean, did they change the rule again as far as kickoff returns? I mean, why have we not just taken that out? If it's that unsafe – and you hate it, and you're just going to manipulate it, bastardize it, then why don't we just start on the 25? Well, yeah, but then you want to you, you get rid of the onside kicks. And, I mean, don't forget last year, Tennessee, remember how they got – they remember how they started to pour it on on LSU? LSU made a mistake in the kick return game, and Tennessee took advantage immediately. 
Well, you're, you're, but you're using one example, an anecdotal example. I'm using overall. So, yes, that could happen. Here's what I would do for the, um, the onside kick. I'd say you have the ball at your own 25, and it's fourth and 15, and you have to convert 15 yards in order to retain possession of the ball. And, I, and listen, Caleb, this is coming from a guy that loves special teams that loves the fact that they run down there like warriors and hit each other. But if it's so unsafe, which I, I could debate that over and over and over again, it is the most unsafe play in football. I will give you that. But if it's so darn unsafe, Caleb, then let's stop tweaking it and making it a far removed aberration of what it was. Let's just go ahead and change it all together. What do you think of my fourth and 15 at your own 25? It's got to be fourth and 30. You got to make it the same likelihood mm. as recovering. A, you got to make it the same likelihood as recovering an onside kick, which no, is like I've, converting a fourth and 30. Well, no, no, no. I've done the math. It's actually, you have about a, you have about an 8% chance of uh, recovering an onside kick. You have about a 10% chance of, of completing and converting a fourth and 15. Oh, I didn't know they were that close together. I just feel like I've seen a lot of fourth and 15s converted over my life. And I haven't seen that many onside kicks recovered. In, but... but what do you think about just changing it all together? I mean, I love the kickoff. It's ceremonial. What do you do when you watch a game? I mean, you watch the kickoff and what do you immediately do? You go to the restroom or go get a beer, don't you? Yes, that's true. <laughs> I agree. It's <laughs> like... It's not that exciting. I, I oftentimes feel like I'm not missing anything if I miss the kickoff. So I'm willing to start a game late. And and I don't I, like kicking in football, period. I know we talked about Jackson Ross, but this is a Skip Bayless take that I actually agree with. I hate kicking in football. I hate it. I hate that if you break, even particularly field goal kicking, if you really break down the game, you got these athletes going to war it with each other for 60 minutes and then in the final, so many times in the final 15 seconds, this guy who's been sitting on the bench the whole time can come in and have and be the second most impactful player on the game next to the quarterback. Yeah, I, I would, I would just do one of two things. I would go back to the old one, which I've been told is unsafe, but now we have so many protocols in line, and they don't have a running start. Um, I would go back to the old one or I would just say, hey, here's the deal. Um, we're going to start this thing at the 25. And as far as the uh, onside kick thing, I know that would take it away. But really, it seems like to me you get even less onside kicks. I'm going to double check my math on that. You may very well be right. It is time for today's tough question. I know what Caleb's going to say here, and I love him. I think he's incredible. But he's going to be absolutely wrong. And this actually is brought to you by Andy Mason, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. Max Chadwick picked two games on his 10 must-watch games of 2023. Guess which ones they were. University of Texas, San Antonio, and Austin P. That's who they were. No, they weren't. They were Tennessee, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, as you would expect. Which game's more important? 
and it's brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Best prices, best service in the biz. You've got to get to Andy Mason for all of your real estate needs. andymasonrealestate.com. All right, today's tough question is a little bit different based off what we're discussing of the must-watch games, and it is this. Which would be the bigger win for the Vols? At Tuscaloosa, Georgia at Neyland Stadium. I want to point out that as bizarre as it was, correct me on my numbers if I'm wrong, Caleb. Last week, Tennessee had a 15.8% chance of winning at Tuscaloosa and a 48% chance, if I remember correctly, maybe maybe 47.5, of beating Georgia at home. So according to Pro Football Index, which ain't Vegas, Vegas is number one when it calls these shots, by the way. You need to be sure and uh, check out Zen Sports. Download their app today because it's phenomenal. You'll get more money back than you could ever imagine. That surprised me. So what's the bigger win for Tennessee's program in 2024? Is it winning at Tuscaloosa or is it beating the big bad wolf, which is Georgia in Neyland Stadium? This isn't a debate. It's beating Georgia. Georgia, Absolutely. I, I, Absolutely I, wrong. No, I, I look. I am a history major. I love history. Feelings don't. Thought, feelings and thoughts about history don't matter. One could win you the SEC East. Championships come first. Rivalry wins come second. Dave, Tennessee beat Florida, Georgia, and Alabama in 2004. They lost to Florida in 1997. But I guarantee you, everybody refers to the 97 team to the 014. Why? Because they won the SEC championship. Championships are number one. That's the number one priority is championships. Then record against rivals is number two in the level of rivals. Georgia is for the SEC East. Alabama is for pride. Actual titles over pride every day of the week. It's Alabama. You're on crack. You're wrong. You're, you're just flat out wrong. Only on the weekends. Um, no, it is. It's <laughs> Alabama. And here's why. You're because, on some growing in Alabama is what you are. <laughs> here's here's what it is. I'm on that Alabama crack, which is get you all gidgety. Um, I, I, listen, it's Alabama because you could potentially start something in their heads because they're saying right now, they're players to a man. They're saying, man, got lucky. That dude should have hit that field goal and we would have won and it wouldn't have even been a factor and they wouldn't have got a shot. And, you know, we were down a little bit in the skill position players, but we're going to show them what, and that's going to be a motivation game for them. And you go in and beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa. What could you start? So you could start something that has happened in this series before. Finish this sentence, Caleb. This is a the Tennessee-Alabama game. The series is a series of blank. Oh, it's definitely a series of streaks. History shows that. You are right. Right. You could start a streak against Alabama, like when Peyton Manning did so in the 90s, where they're not as worrisome. And Nick Saban is going to retire eventually. You Imagine if you could have 10 straight wins over Alabama, and then you suddenly focus a little bit more on Georgia. I think that Tennessee can catch, but I don't think they're ready to this year. So 
maybe I'm taking a little bit of reality into it and that I don't think they'll beat Georgia this year. I don't think they're quite ready. But if you beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa, that is a statement win. You could have some fluky win at Neyland Stadium and beat Georgia, get fortunate, but that's different than beating Alabama twice. Plus, you would beat Alabama in a season in which they're desperate, too strong a word, but in the neighborhood, they're going to more of a ball control, pro-style offense like they had pre-Lane Kiffin. You go down there and beat them at Tuscaloosa. That will result in recruiting wins. If you fluke out and beat Georgia somehow at Neyland Stadium, Caleb, that is awesome, cool, might get you a prospect or two, but the way they're going to spin it at Georgia, ah, we're still getting ready. I was still getting used to Carson Beck. We're still doing all this thing, and we made a couple of mistakes, but that's an aberration. You beat Alabama twice. That ain't no aberration. You're winning more Arian Carter recruiting battles. I'm going to tell you right now, I love you like a brother, but it is, no doubt, beating Alabama two years in a row would be monstrous. That is the best program in our generation's history and arguably the best program in the history of college football. You beat them twice, huge. This is where the difference for all the listeners, I want you guys to understand this. This is where, and I cover recruiting, but I haven't covered it as well as Dave has. And Dave has got, he's putting the top 10 games, must watch games of the season on here. Lucky you, by the way, you haven't covered recruiting as close as, as I yes. have. G- G- Gary can't, says, can't. Gary says I'm a hundred percent wrong on this one. A thousand percent wrong is what he said. A thousand. Uh, people who are so deep in the weeds covering recruiting sometimes they focus too hard on recruiting and not what the point of recruiting is, which is to win on the field. Winning I have definitely field, been, I, there have been times in my career. I have definitely been guilty of that. I will give you that. Yes. Winning on the field still takes precedent for the most part. And if you beat Georgia, you win the East and Dave, a national championship is potent- is on the horizon if you beat Georgia. A possible national title. And the focus should always be on the possible national title. Whoa, 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 so- whoa, 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 whoa. With the college football playoff, you can't say that. Because they could lose either one of those games, win the other, and still be the fourth team in the playoff. It's yes, that's true, but it could be if they if they lose if they lose to Alabama, that is true. They could lose either and not the other and still be the fourth team. That's a very good point. But it's a much better situation for them. The likelihood increases a lot. I think that Tennessee, the goal is always championships. And the first step is the East. And this, this will change next year. Next year, you're right. This year, it's Georgia. The first step is winning the East. And Tennessee needs to win. Tennessee winning the East always takes precedent. Dave, what you're doing and I see NFL teams do this all the time, by the way. The NFL team that says, I don't want this quarterback that I know is a sure commodity because I'd rather have this young guy that I think I can have longer down the road, and then they always go to regret it. The only one that didn't regret it was the Packers with Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. But, Dave, most of the time you know this. When you sack, when, 
when elite quarterbacks are on the market and you see GM say, I don't want that elite quarterback because I'll only have him for five years and I'd rather have my drafted quarterback for 15. No, take the five years. It's a win-now league. College football is a win-now sport. And when you got the chance to win, you take it. Always, 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 always. And so that's where I am of the mindset that Georgia is still more important. And by the way, Georgia is a fertile recruiting ground for Tennessee on its own. And if Tennessee does beat Georgia, I don't even care if it's fluky. They could go to recruits and say, look at what Josh Heupel's building. Look at what he's done in three years now. I think that would help them more in recruiting than you're giving it credit for. All right. Well, Caleb's dead wrong, but he's trying hard. Nope. I'm totally right. Uh, Out of these top 10 games, how crazy is it that Tennessee is in two of them? Would, Would they have been in even one of them last year because they were expected to win eight games? They wouldn't have been. A, no. They wouldn't have been on this list at all. So uh, the the ones that you would go out of your way for, and it's on the screen. But if you can't see it on your you're on our audio platform, the top ten games in college football this season for Chadwick is he with on three, I believe. No, uh, pro, uh, pro football focus. Pro football focus. Ohio State at Michigan, uh, LSU at Florida State, LSU at Alabama, Michigan at Penn State, Florida State at Clemson, Penn State at Ohio State. Georgia at Tennessee, Texas at Oklahoma at Alabama, uh, Tennessee at Alabama, Ohio State at Notre Dame. Give me the one game on this list that you would miss your brother's wedding for, and give me the one game on this list that you might just go have a cup of coffee and it's on in the background with the sound down. Okay, the one, the one I would you, miss my brother's The, the one, one you I care most and least about. The one I'd miss my brother's wedding for, the, since we cover Tennessee, I'm going to say Tennessee games notwithstanding, to be fair. Okay, let's take those, let's, that's a good idea. Let's take those out. Um, it's Ohio State, Michigan. And it's because those are the clear cut top two teams in the Big Ten right now, still. And that everything is riding on that. It's between that and LSU, Alabama. It's between those two because those are like, God, I'd love to. I, can, I, can I go to both of those? I'd miss my brother's wedding for both of those games. I, I'm, I'm my, sorry. I, I would, I, I'm an only child. But I would miss my brother's wedding for LSU at Alabama, at Alabama taking the Tennessee games out. The one that just doesn't do a lot for me at all would be two teams, one of which you think is overrated and one of which you think is not, I believe. Michigan at Penn State, I think Michigan's a step better than Penn State significantly. So that doesn't do a lot for me. I don't think that's going to be close. I think that's going to be a pounding like 20 24 to 13 game that's never really close, you know, those type of games. Um, and uh, Florida State at Clemson really does nothing for me because I'm with you. I, I think Florida State's massively overrated. So the one that I would absolutely have to see and want to see and skip my brother's wedding as an only child, encourage my mom not to have any more kids, but she's 74. So that's not going to happen would be uh, LSU at Alabama. That's the one. Dave, I, I, got, I got four games I would skip on this, honestly. I'm not wow. going to lie to you. So, what, the, what are you doing this football season? Okay, LSU-Florida State. The only reason I would watch that game significantly is because I'm putting so much money on LSU to cover whatever the spread is that I got I got a lot of money riding on that game. And I, But that, that will be a bloodbath in LSU's favor, guys, when we start our gambling coverage during football season. I'm seeing it ahead of time. LSU will cover whatever the spread is against Florida State. I would all, I'm with you, Florida State Clemson. I really don't care to see that one. I would actually see Michigan Penn State. 
I don't really care to see Penn State, Ohio State, because I think with the Big Ten, home, and I don't know if you agree with me, Dave, on this, but I think home field advantage is a factor in the Big Ten because it's so much more a slave to the elements, if that makes sense. So I think the, well, because the Michigan elements. Would, and, but Michigan would play in the same elements as Penn State. Let's say it's a snowy I think day. Elements, I think elements favor the home team no matter what, though. Even if you're used to those elements, I think. Right. I, th- I think with the crowd noise and the elements, it can kind of distract uh, offense trying to get things going. And so I'm interested in that. The one that we I think we both agree, though, neither one of us would watch, Ohio State-Notre Dame. I don't care that's at Notre Dame. I'm not watching that. Yeah, that's going to be a slow descent into being irrelevant with Notre Dame. Just go ahead yes. and promise you. That, that is exactly where that's going. Yep. And you and I think so for two different reasons. You think so because of the academic standards and the discipline rules. By the way, I've said it before, but if you don't know, Notre Dame is the only school that is relevant in football that does not allow its coaches to have any input on eligibility or discipline. That's why Brian Kelly's the heck out of there. Okay, so – I think that's that's one of the reasons I believe Caleb believes it's going to be a slow descent. I also believe with the Freeman guy that they hired as, as coach, he's a player's coach from what I'm told, and they played hard for him last year. But player's coach is what happens, Caleb, invariably. They always kind of lose their team. And it's, it happens over a year or two. I call it the Barry Switzer effect. Barry Switzer in 1994, 1995, they were, the Cow- Dallas Cowboys were still the best team in the NFL. 94, they didn't win a Super Bowl. 95, they lucked out and beat the Steelers. They shouldn't have beat that team. That was a better team. But they beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl. But that just, uh, the erosion of the players' coach. And you can never go back. If you're Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame, you can never go back and say, I got your attention now. You can go the other way. You can be Nick Saban and lighten up a little bit, but you can't go the other direction. And I think it's what Butch Jones tried to do. I think he was a player's coach, and then I think he tried to be the tough guy coach, and he ended up just showing his sociopathic ways, which you don't want. Uh, what the H? We're going to bring you that. And um, the power rankings are out. Where did the ball stand? What H? What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. Okay, we cover Tennessee. It's better for Off the Hook Sports if Tennessee does well. But I'm going to tell you what I really think, and some of you may or may not like that. That's where I am. So before we get to it and the power rankings, these are Caleb's power power rankings. So before we get to that, where would you have Tennessee in the power rankings? Go ahead and give us a breakdown on the message board where you would have them. Caleb has them already on the power rankings and Caleb you want to start with where you have the balls or you want to run them down real quick as a countdown maybe that's I what I'm down as a countdown uh, you're doing a countdown okay maybe and I, can- and I want to give a heads up on this power rankings are based on what you most recently did and what's happening with your program these are not projections this is not where I think you will finish the season 
this is where I think you are right now and where you should be right now. Okay. So he's Caleb's done all the work on this thing and it's, it's on off the I'm going to pull it up on the screen right now. For those of you on the video platform, if not, we'll walk you through it on the audio platform, but be sure and get on YouTube, hit subscribe and like. So as I can see, uh, don't scroll too far down because we're teasing this thing. Uh, I'm going to tell you, <clears throat> I'm not going to tell you where I think they stand because I don't want to get into a long debate. But in the power rankings, who do you have dead last? And we're going to go Hank or Tracy. Hank Kingsley from the Larry Sanders show is going to agree with you or Tracy Morgan is going to call you crazy. All right. So here we go. Hank or Tracy. That's the game we play. Florida, number 14. Caleb. That's crazy. Come on. Got a question for you, Dave. Uh-oh. How, you, how, many, how many games? When he, when he asks it like that, I feel like he's he's like Keith Morrison on Dateline. And uh, like, yeah. I've almost gotten away with it. And he goes, oh, that pesky DNA. <laughs> <laughs> what was Florida's streak to in the season, winning slash losing? How many games did they lose in a row to end the season? Oh, they're bad. I mean, what did they lose four or five? Uh, they lost three. Who um who beat them among those last three teams? Late on me, brother. I'm sorry. Late uh, on they me. they lost to Vanderbilt mm-hmm. on November the nineteenth. A hot um, Vanderbilt team, though. Um, did Florida does Florida return their quarterback? Uh, they do not, and he's a starter in the NFL. Maybe we all undervalued him a little bit. How far does all season go? Not great. They brought in a quarterback, couldn't pay him, and he cruised out. So, which makes, you, which makes you wonder if the other players are getting something, and they all talk nowadays with social media. So they may ask a Tennessee player, what are you getting? And they were going, well, I get this uh, $500 check from Spire Sports to show up at three events a month. I'm also working for Off the Hook Sports, and they give me a even better check. And I'm doing this and that and this. I mean, I, I was just doing it, that math in my head, not to get sidetracked. But Jacob Warren goes out and sells himself. He's probably making a couple of grand a month off appearances. He talks to churches and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. Those dudes they ain't making jack in Gainesville. Okay, so go ahead. Which is number 14. Okay, so you got him at 14. Vanderbilt, 13. Hey, now. I'll say 13's fine. I wouldn't have Florida last, but you got the bottom two of the SEC. All right, Vanderbilt, 13. Texas A&M, number 12. That's crazy. That's too low. I know this you don't. This is not projections. This is not projections. This is based on where the program is right now, and Texas A&M went 5-7 and seven last year. Now, your best argument for them is they did beat LSU to close the season. So they seem, and, and but they still went five and seven last year. And then a Bobby Petrino hire was forced on Jimbo Fisher. Nobody has faith in that right now. And we'll have to wait and see. So for right now, they're number 12. All right. Auburn, number 11. That's crazy. Scroll down a little bit so I can see your number 10 and nine team. Auburn right. will be better than Ole Miss. Auburn will be better than... Kentucky's a coin flip. Auburn will be better than Missouri, who you have 10, 9, and 8, respectively. I think Auburn will be the surprise team in the SEC because uh, 
you know, for all the things you might not like about uh, Hugh Freeze, I think he's a talented coach. Dave, I agree with you. I agree with you. I probably want to predict Albert ahead of all these teams. They're not there yet, though. I can't make, I, again, I can't do these rankings based on projections. These are not projections. These are where are the teams right now. And Auburn was five and seven last year. You could maybe make a case they should be ahead of Ole Miss because Ole Miss was horrible to finish the season last year. Absolutely horrible. Then they lost everybody in the transfer portal and, and, and rebuilt their team through the transfer portal. But so Auburn, Ole Miss is a coin flip. But Kentucky did win their bowl game and then they brought in a pretty high profile transfer quarterback plus Liam Cohen as offensive coordinator. Missouri was four plays away from 10 and three last year. Yes, they lost their bowl game, but right now I got to put all three of them ahead of Auburn at this moment. Okay. You got an Ole Miss at number 10 and off the hook sports power ranking. I'm just going to go off script here. Say wham. I have no idea. I mean, with the transfers they bring in and the transfers they lose, it wouldn't stun me if they were top four. It wouldn't stun me if they were bottom four at the end of the year. I, I mean, God bless you for doing this column instead of assigning it to me because I don't know where I would put Ole Miss. I would sit there and think about that for like three hours. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Ole Miss is – look, again, they lost three games to lose in last year and then added everybody in the transfer portal. So, again, based on projections, I got no idea. Based on where they are right now, they got to be near the bottom of the SEC as of right now. I would always have them a little bit higher than probably you because I think that – Lane Kiffin is one of the top four coaches in the SEC. So, like by definition, I would probably take Ole Miss just because of Lane Kiffin and move him around to the seven or eight mark. But I got zero strong argument uh, on that. Kentucky, number nine. Hey, now. I think Kentucky is going to be one of the surprise teams in the SEC. The two surprise teams, I believe, will be Auburn and Kentucky. Kentucky goes back to its roots, doesn't worry about leaning on a hobble to Will Levis all year, who was overrated. Yeah, I think I think Kentucky is going to have a great season. And they found their quarterback with Devin Leary, who was already pretty good. I might even have them higher than nine. I would definitely have them higher than Missouri. I'll tell you that. I, I think they'll finish higher than this. But I think they start the year right here because there's still questions about Devin Leary and they 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 had a rocky finish to last season so that's that's what puts them at nine for right now okay again i'll have my projections for these teams later in the week i will i have a prediction of and we're dave and i are going to predict where we think every team's going to finish in the sec um but this is where i think they start the season all right you've got kentucky at number nine i'm sorry missouri at number eight i'm i'm taking it past tracy morgan i'm just gonna go Straight to Happy Gilmore. You suck, you jackass. Come on, Caleb. We hate Missouri on this show. They hate us. It's obvious on Twitter. It's obvious on our YouTube channel. Let's just let that hate grow. And and the day the Tigers are kicked out of the SEC, then life is better. You've got them at number eight. Man, I'm going to talk to our uh, general manager accountant and uh, discuss whether or not you get uh, some sort of uh, a pay penalty for this month. Missouri number eight. You knew this would piss. You knew this would make me mad. <laughs> I mean, Missouri did beat Arkansas to close out the regular season last year, and again, they were four plays away from ten and three. They got some issues. Don't get me wrong. I don't think the last year. I think Eli Drinkwitz is a goof of a coach. 
but I got to be honest and objective about where they enter the season, Dave. Just I'm for the first time in my life, I'm very disappointed in you. Oh, whatever. Okay. <laughs> we haven't made our predictions yet. I'll get there. <laughs> I'm broken hearted. I'm broken hearted. It's like the scene from the Godfather. I, uh, I lean over, I hug you. I put both my hands on your face. I say, Caleb, you broke my heart. Then I give you a big kiss and run from Cuba. Uh, Arkansas number seven, which is something I never thought I'd say. Give Caleb a big kiss and run from Cuba. Al Pacino style. All right, Arkansas number seven. That's crazy. Too high. Too high. Who who do you say, of everybody I put Arkansas ahead, who would you say should have been ahead of them? I I know you said Auburn and Kentucky maybe. State. Would that be it? Mississippi State. Mississippi State is ahead of Arkansas. Uh, no, I mean, I would have Arkansas ahead of Mississippi State. Well, then why do you think Arkansas is too high? Uh, I don't think they're too high. I would have them higher. Sorry. Oh, okay. Higher. Okay. Sorry. I got confused. I would have them above state. I would have them above your number five team, which we will reveal. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, you can see it. But if you're on our platform, it's number five. Arkansas was seven and six last year. They lost to Mississippi State 40 to 17. They lost to that team you hate so much, Missouri, at the end yeah. of last year. Hate them. And Mississippi State was nine and four. And Arkansas's signature win at the end of the season was a triple overtime win over Kansas. Kansas. So, I mean this again, with all due re- I mean this with all due respect, but I just am not gonna be high on Mississippi State with the passing of Mike Leach until I see what they bring offensively. I'm with you. I don't think Mississippi. I don't think Mississippi State will finish number six, but I can't ignore how they finished last season and the fact that they won their bowl game after Mike Leach passed away and they won it with defense. Okay, so you got South Carolina, number five. Mm, man, that's a tough one. Um, why don't you shut the hell up? Oops, wrong one. <laughs> what happened to that? I'm your Huckleberry. Uh, I am your Huckleberry. I think five's good. At five. They won't finish the season at five, but five's pretty good. So basically, I don't care to give it away. You've got them below LSU, Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee in no particular order. So South Carolina at number five, the way they finished the season last year, their last three games, including the close bowl loss win, beating Clemson, beating Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're the fifth best team, but I think they deserve to be five. No argument there. You want to move on to LSU, who I know we're both pretty high on? Yep, you spoke for me with South Carolina. Totally agree with that. Hey, now. LSU is four. You could argue they should be above Alabama at number three, but that's splitting hairs. I got no problem with LSU at number four or number three. Yeah, people, I think LSU, I'm with many people, and I understand the belief that LSU is going to finish better than Alabama. I'll get there with my projections later this week. I can't start that right now, though, because even though they beat Alabama, Dave, I can't get over how LSU finished the season last year. I mean, they lost to Texas A&M, and then they got the break speed off them by Georgia. And whatever you want to say, Dave, do you think Alabama would have lost that badly to Georgia in the SEC title? I don't. Uh, No, they were playing their best ball towards the end of the season. They had found ways to manage without skilled position players, not named Bryce Young, who, by the way, looks so adept in the NFL. I don't know if you've seen any highlights or what he's doing, but – he just is so patient. Fell down in the middle of a drop. Tripped and fell down. Had the time to get up, reassert himself. That He needs to play, not to get sidetracked. If Bryce Young plays 
like he did in, was it 2000, his first year? 2021. 2021 was his, okay, you're right. 2021 was his first year. And I thought that he held on to the ball too long and that he should run. That was my college take, my NFL take. Keep holding on to the ball, look downfield. You're going to be fantastic. So Alabama number three, but you got Tennessee number two ahead of Alabama. That's crazy. Come on, Caleb. I know Tennessee beat Alabama, but that game could have gone either way. How in the world do you have them above Alabama? Because how Tennessee finished the season. Tennessee has a more impressive bowl win to me than Alabama. Tennessee beat LSU by 27 in the middle of the season, and then LSU beat Alabama. So it's not just, I mean, you got common opponents, you got head-to-head, you got a better bowl win to finish the season. Right now, Tennessee deserves to be at number two because they won that game with Joe Milton. It's not like they won it with Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton's coming in. And again, these are power rankings here. These are how you're playing at the time. And the most recent outing we saw with Tennessee, they beat a borderline playoff team with the guy that's going to be their starting quarterback this year, however much you want to read into that. And because of that, I got to put them at number two right now. Okay. And you got Georgia number one. Hey, now. Tough, tough, really, really tough to argue with that. I don't even know how we could make an argument for that 90 seconds. And a prospect that you may not be aware of that Tennessee's not going to stop recruiting. And the big change that Tennessee needs to make in the NIL world. Give me 90 seconds with Caleb Calhoun. I am Dave Hooker. This is Off the Hook Sports. Candace, I was I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. Candace has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. That's right, Coop. Who else should do that? What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. He does. What the? What was he thinking? Release the hounds. The Dave Hooker Show. Keep cool. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Caleb, tell the nice people out there who Williams Winnery is. Williams Venary was a highly touted edge rusher who committed is, to Missouri. Is a highly touted. Is, is a highly touted. You're right. You're right. I shouldn't get, say he didn't get Nancy Kerrigan clubbed over the weekend. <laughs> no, he's hey man. You know what? Tanya Hardy was just doing what she needed why? to do to win. That's a drop we need. Nancy Kerrigan screaming why. 
Tanya Harding is just a competitive winner and was just trying to get a leg up. Bad, bad joke. <laughs> bad joke. Good. Okay, so who is um, okay. Williams Winery? Williams Winery was a or is a highly, highly touted edge rusher who could actually move over to defensive line and defensive tackle if he puts on more weight, who committed to Missouri last week. And Eli Drinkwitz decided to stage a watch party for him committing as if they got accepted into the NCAA tournament in a very pathetic, embarrassing way. We made fun of it, and then Missouri fans cried about us making fun of it because we're such an important program, Missouri, and he really wanted to come to Missouri, and we're going to be so great at recruiting in the future because we're Missouri. It was hilarious. They got so mad. Uh, we, uh, we're going we're gonna to do something about the British voice. Uh, that wasn't yeah. a British voice. That was a whiny voice. My British uh, voice is totally different. Yeah, Missouri is whiny, and Williams Winery is not going to end up at Missouri. I'm going to go ahead and make a recruiting prediction right now. He's not going to end up there. I was talking to some people over the weekend. Oklahoma's still all over him. Um, Tennessee's not going to quit. Here is the reason that he went to Missouri. Okay. And this is pretty easy. It's the difference between having an investor who you tell somebody this guy's going to invest in you and sitting down and saying, Caleb, I'm going to invest in you. And that's essentially what Eli Drinkwitz did. There was a law passed last week, two days before Williams Winery committed to Missouri, that said a coach or a administrator or representative of the, the university could be, as is a state law, could be in negotiations with a player and a third-party representative, which most oftentimes at Tennessee would be what? Spire Sports. And could be a part of that negotiation. So Eli Drinkwitz, this is an easy sales position. I mean, listen, Caleb, if somebody sits down and, and they say, uh, you make the pitch and I'm going to, you know, I'm willing to pay this guy, what, $3 million to be a, one of the top edge rushers and come to your school. Well, that's pretty easy. So you're able to sew it up without a lot of moving parts. The three, let's say, let's say I'm hiring Caleb. Okay. I sit down with a third party. Now, if, if I tell Caleb that I've got a third party that wants to find off the hook sports and wants to be an investor, he's got to trust not only me, but he's got to trust the investor, right? I mean, the investor could pull. When the three of us sit down and I say, this is on me. I'm Eli Drinkwitz. I'm Dave Hooker at Off the Hook Sports. This guy is going to pay you and you know him and you know he's he owns 40, I don't know, whatever, Burger Kings in the Missouri area. So you don't ever have to worry about your money. And I'm giving you my word of honor that you're going to get that money. That's a, I've worked in sales. That's a much easier sales pitch than saying this group is going to do something for you, which I'm not even supposed to say under the current rules under most states, right? I'm supposed to just turn it over to them, hope they don't bumble it up, which they very well could. I'm sure Spire Sports at some point has bumbled one of these. I'm sure that every, every single collective has bumbled one up, not to the Jaden Rashada at Florida where, hey, Sorry, son, you have to go home. Not to that point, but I'm sure they've all been bumbled. So we talked about this a little bit last week. What in the world is Tennessee's 
legislative branch waiting on? How hard is this to pass? You have seen the economy explode in Knoxville. And that's the second biggest city. Is Memphis second or is Knoxville second? I think Knoxville second. Well, Memphis, are you talking? Oh, the Knoxville's uh, the third biggest in the SEC. No, no, no. Yeah, I was, I was talking, number I was one. talking about the state two. of Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. Not, Knoxville's three. Knoxville's three behind Memphis? Yeah. Memphis and Nashville. Okay. You have your third biggest city that has undergone this economic explosion because of one thing, Josh Heupel, Tennessee's football program. I'm telling you, while there may be a recession everywhere else, and yes, it is affecting Knoxville. I talk to people, boots on the ground that own businesses. It ain't horrible in Knoxville. So what is the Tennessee legislative branch doing in not getting this done like now like yesterday caleb this has to be done i'm calling them out i'm saying right now if you agree with me and you're watching live hit like and subscribe if you see this video i'm going to ask you to do something that i don't ask i'm going to ask you to share it i'm going to ask you to like it i'm going to ask you to turn your notifications on and the reason being is I want this little person, Dave Hooker, yelling out into the backwoods to have a voice and they hear me in Nashville. Because this would take approximately 48 hours to draw up and to vote. These guys don't care. And besides that, Caleb, you know politics. If they can look like they're supporting the University of Tennessee, Caleb, that, that's votes right there, buddy. I mean, that's politics. Even if you're an Alabama fan who somehow manages to work their way up the legislative branch in the state of Tennessee, and you can pass a law that in that helps Tennessee football, you're getting more votes. People are going to remember you. They may be hardcore conservative, and you're hardcore Democrat. Doesn't matter. You've got a couple of votes from just doing this when the midterms come up. This has got to be done yesterday. It makes sense. It helps Tennessee football. If you're not, if this isn't on your radar as a person in the legislative branch of Tennessee, you are tone deaf. You need to get this involved and start the process because that is why Missouri got Williams Winery. It's not because he loves their urban studies program. So it's funny you say that because you're right. And you can sell this as a player friendly bill because you can say, look, we just want the players to understand to have, we want the players in the schools to be negotiating in good faith. And we want the players to have all the information available to them before they commit. So you could actually sell this as a, this is a fair to the players type of bill, and it's to protect them from not being cheated out the way Jaden Rashada was cheated out when he was trying to negotiate back in the day. And that's where I am with this. So I agree with you. I don't know why Tennessee doesn't do it. And Tennessee has been ahead of the curve on NIL for a while. They have. Spire Sports was is the best NIL initiative in the country. They The, the, the state legislature needs to catch up to the university. Put it that way. Okay. And so why hasn't it already been done? If Spire's so great, why did they not have, and I'm not singling out Spire. If Spire and Tennessee are so great, how do they not have a lobbyist? Why are they, why are they not? I'm, I mean, 
surely i don't know how lobbyists work exactly do lobbyists lobby for different things or they're just gun lobbyists tobacco lobbyists no yeah lobbyists lobby for different things one of the issues is that while tennessee is far and away the largest brand of alumni base in the state if i don't know if it's an above 50 percent. so missouri is the only fbs program in missouri that's it so they can get what they want but tennessee there is still Vanderbilt alumni. There's still MTSU alumni. There's still Memphis alumni. And those are all FBS programs too. And I wonder if, and, and those three programs probably don't really love the idea of NIL for doing this. I think that's stupid because I think honestly, if you're Vanderbilt, NIL is your best chance to succeed. Because honestly, I think that you could maybe work with local businesses in Nashville and try to cobble up some money to help kids stay in Nashville that want to stay in Nashville. And the same with Memphis. I think NIL can actually help some of the urban schools that are not that good at football programs here's the here's and, the other thing how many of these companies have ceos that are tennessee fans and that if you called them and you said i want you to be in on these negotiations i think you could bring a lot to the table and i i, I this guy's really important and his name's nico whatever uh and you need to be in on these negotiations you would truly help us and then you're playing a little bit of the card of you're my buddy. I'm Josh Heupel. And you get them involved in the negotiations. Are you telling me a guy that doesn't go, that goes over spreadsheets, that has all these meetings, and he's got a football meeting in the middle of his day with one of the top prospects from wherever? And now we can all do Zoom. He doesn't have to be there in person. It's not like he has more important things to do. And you can be on a meeting <clears throat> with the prospect and Josh Heupel that you're not going to be there. That's a cool meeting in the middle of the day. That's almost as good as taking a lunch break. Yeah, but if you're focused solely on your bottom line as a CEO of a company, maybe the issue is they don't want this because they want to crack down on NIL because they want to save themselves from themselves. The yeah. same way NFL owners like to be saved from themselves. But groups like Weigels. They don't want to have to shell out this much money to lower players. Out. But groups like Weigels who just sign squirrel wide, I mean, they've got discretionary income. They're not spending every. I know they would. They're not spending every. They would rather re marketing dollar just on the perfect stuff. No, but they would rather even redirect that discretionary income. I mean, and the thing is, if you can, they want. This is why they want Congress to step in. By the way, they want Congress to push down the amount of money that people are allowed to spend. They want a cap. They want a hard cap on NIL spending, so they don't have to compete with everybody else to try to get these players. And that's what they're. Yeah, look billionaires care about protecting themselves from themselves. That's how NFL owners are, because quite honestly, I think a hard cap in the NFL is the stupidest thing in the world. They pretend it's about competitive balance. Well, that's just not true, because if you worry about competitive balance, that's revenue sharing. Revenue sharing brings competitive balance, not a hard cap. The hard cap is so they don't have to spend more money than they want to, to keep players to try to win. True. So you, 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 you picked it apart a little bit, which I wanted you to do. But at the end of the day, would you agree with it that Tennessee needs to pass this law? Yeah, I think they should pass it just for players, just for the players' sake. I think players have the right to know what's promised them to them and if that promise is in good faith or not. Amen. And if you got the guy who's the CEO at Weigel's or whoever it is saying that I'm signed off on this and <laughs> I can present you with some sort of paperwork that you can look at it, you can't sign while you're a prospect, then it's done and done. Um, Williamson Winery went into that meeting, I'm sure, wondering how much money, wondering how solid it would be because Missouri is not a premier football program. And when he went in that meeting with Eli Drinkwitz, he came out knowing exactly how much money he could get. 
other schools are not afforded that opportunity to sit in on the meeting. So you got to have these third party meetings. And what do they say? How did that meeting go stuff? That just complete. I've been a lot a part of a lot of big negotiations. That just complicates matters and they can fizzle and fall apart. And I would I would not hesitate to say for a moment there is a school that Williams Winery liked every bit as much as Missouri, but they made it cut, clean, dry, easy. Just like when you go and you join a membership somewhere and they start adding on a parking fee and they start adding on uh, this enrollment fee and they add on all this stuff, it gets complicated. And then you're like, oh, gosh, I had no idea. Make it simple. Josh Heupel sits down, says CEO of Brand X is going to pay you this. Boom. Easy. That's a recruiting visit. He's already doing it. You get the guy on Zoom. I'm sure he's got an iPad. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Whenever you do your headline that catches SEO attention, this has to be your strongest one because we are trying to make change and the legislative branch of Tennessee. We have moved beyond football here, but it'll help football a lot. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Thanks for listening. A lot of new listeners today. Like, subscribe, hit the bell button. That means you get notifications on live Jacob and hopefully Cooper Mays today. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports.